0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Day in the Life. Today, I'm joined by my friend Natasha, who is a product designer. And Natasha and I both met. Uh, we met while we both worked at IBM, but now Natasha is working at Atlassian, still as a product designer. And I'm super excited to catch up with her about how all of that is going. Welcome, Natasha.
1: Thanks for having me, Rachel.
0: Yeah. So uh, my first question is just around how did you get in design
1: in the first place? Let's see if I can wrap that answer up in 10 minutes. Um, So yeah, illustration was how I channeled my creativity first since I was a kid. I never really stopped drawing. So then I wanted to pursue it. So I attended art school and I majored in illustration, which doesn't sound very promising at all, but thankfully it was very versatile. I was allowed to like take graphic design classes, motion graphics, uh, and then I was trying to, yeah, at that moment I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do in art or design. In all these, all these different design classes, I'm basically learning the same thing, how to tell a story with different mediums and tools. Uh, but for some reason, I wasn't 100% satisfied. So until every semester, some big company comes to our school and builds this a course around a problem that they challenge students to solve for them. So I was curious about this type of challenge, and it would look really good on my resume. So I applied and enrolled for this product design course hosted by Adidas. They accepted 14 students to help them define the future of athleisure wearables. This class taught me the value of user research, user testing, empathy, and working with budget constraints and much more. So we use these attributes to tell a story and solve a problem. I ended up standing out in the class thanks to my illustration background. That skill really helped visually craft a story. Uh, Anyways, I built this sports bra prototype and Adidas ended up buying the IP from me that was the moment where I was like, ooh, I think I could be a product designer. That's really
0: cool, I didn't know that. And I mean, I have seen your illustrations firsthand on the projects we've worked on and they definitely are very, very talented. Do you miss uh, doing illustration or
1: do you, are you finding ways to incorporate that? I do, I do. I, one day I was like cleaning up my closet and I found a bunch of oil paintings and illustrations from those classes. When I wanted to be an illustrator and I was like wow it's kind of a shame I don't do that stuff anymore and because yeah that was like my bread and butter at one point and I miss it after seeing that so I'd love to get back into it one day
0: yeah I'm sure you'll figure out a way somehow and it, and it does come in handy and in, in, in certain roles like when you're trying to do a storyboard or or just like illustrate a concept it, I, I mean you, you've definitely like been able to pull it in in, in certain ways at least at IBM you did Thank you. Thanks for saying that. (laughs) Yeah, so one question just for our listeners, how would you describe the role of a
1: product designer? Ooh, great question. So I bet people would disagree with me, but this is my take on it. Product designers solve problems based on user needs and business needs. Um, For example, DoorDash is a very successful product um, not probably not the best example, but the first thing I see, for example, on my homepage for DoorDash are top rated restaurants within my proximity. I believe this was a user need and business decision made by their design design team because one, consumers mostly care about the restaurants that can offer delivery service. Uh, so they have to be within the five mile radius, radius, <laughs> two, by making these recommendations most discoverable and accessible, there's a high chance that consumers will order from these establishments, supporting local businesses, and giving DoorDash their cut, too.
0: Yeah, so, and you're saying that is, like, specific to product versus, like, I mean, I guess my question is kind of around, like, well, what, what, what was, like, the difference between calling yourself
1: a product designer and a user experience designer? Yes. Okay, now this is where I think it's more subjective. So is there a difference between product design and user experience designer? Technically, yes. Based on my own experience and going through lots of interviews, though, for both titles, I'm starting to think that UX design is is evolving and maturing into product design. Product designers are technically considered more full stack. They're expected to execute end-to-end experiences, so they need to be well-versed in aligning product strategy to the business vision, then connecting that to tangible designs, whereas UX designers are supposedly not as concerned about integrating business decisions or constraints into their designs. But I don't think that's true anymore. After talking to many companies, the expectations for for the role of UX design and product were the same. If you're not connecting your deliverables to any OKR or KPI, then are you even solving a problem?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Yeah. So um, yeah, could you just talk about like what the differences between working at Atlassian and IBM have been? And maybe I'd also be interested if you could talk about like what you saw from your job application process too, like how you feel like there's just like the differences out there between companies.
1: Okay, it kind of sounds like that's, there's, there's two questions here. So yeah. the first one is, what are some of the differences between Elastian versus IBM? Yeah. Okay, I'll answer that one first. So a couple of big takeaways. There's a lot of differences. But uh, first one is having a clear business goal and keeping track of our success metrics. So when a company has grown so large and it has been around for so long, that vision or mission becomes what's next. The outcome of that is creating new features and new products to keep up with competitors when really your customers just want you to fix what's broken. So that's not a sustainable business model. My first two days at Alassian, I already know what the company is trying to achieve for year 2021 to 2022 and how I can contribute and make an impact within my team. So that's one. Uh, second, having customer success stories and meeting quarterly goals. Our town hall meetings have been exciting, to say the least. I just see a bunch of line charts of revenue, subscriptions, active users just flying higher and higher. Uh, In addition to that, testimonials from large customers like NASA, Lucid Motors, or Netflix, actually I'm not sure if I'm supposed to name them, but (laughs) talking about um, how much people love our products, hearing these things make me feel really proud of working here. Now, getting to the design process, we spend a lot of time in the discovery and define phase, aka the product strategy phase. Um, so one thing in when we were doing kind of like the waterfall process at IBM, we were what was missing was we did not connect design iterations back to user stories. So at IBM, we constantly had requirements changing, but we never stopped to wonder how do these new requirements tie into the original problem we're trying to solve and how do they connect to our user stories? I know we had user stories, but they were just forgotten about. Anyways, if you don't ask these questions, then you're enabling scope creep. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm curious to just like,
0: I mean, I know a job interview is very high level and you can't really see what the culture's like, but you I know that when you were looking at you know, transitioning to another company, you did a lot of job interviews. And so um, what were some of the things you were looking at with these, jo- like, or, or what were some of the things that I guess about these other companies that appealed to you or, or
1: stood out to you? I think the brand image, the brand image, which connects, which kind of aligns with the brand culture too. Um, The product that they're selling and the product I would be working on, um, the team, you know, when you're when you're being interviewed, um, those interviewers are most likely going to be the people you're working with. So they have to put a really good impression on you. Um, Yeah. So those are like key things I was looking at. Um, And of course, compensation, (laughs) who isn't? Yeah, um, this is kind
0: of I don't know maybe a weird question, but um, I feel like compensation is one of those tricky areas. And so, what were some of the things you did to like determine your worth and negotiate for what you wanted, or
1: if you mm. did? That? Yeah, good question. It it just required some research. Um, there's a lot of resources now online, like Levels FYI the link that Ivy sent us, um, Glassdoor, just, and being transparent uh, with your coworkers, friends about their wage too, if they're comfortable with sharing. Um, Yeah, like doing, like gathering those numbers yourself was a good way for me to kind of give them a ballpark when they ask. But I've had situations where I give a range Um, But then their offer exceeded that range completely. So now, or do they think that I don't know my own value, you know, but then every company kind of has their own standard for how much this level should get paid. So I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's interesting. Like, oh, they actually offered me more than what I wanted. So does that mean I should have been
1: asking for more at other companies? <laughs> right. So even when I um, increased my value, of course, you're still going to have companies that say, oh, 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 that's way over our budget. So I guess you really got to know like who you're talking to, you know? Yeah. And then
0: I guess sometimes you, I guess, have to think about is it the compensation that I want or is it a certain type of experience that I want? So yeah, um, like, do you do you weigh that? Like thinking about, okay, would I rather work at this company that pays this much money or do I would I rather work at this company because I'm getting this other type of experience?
1: Oh man, yeah, that was a really tough one. You know, I had an opportunity to do like consumer facing work uh, that I was really interested in but obviously, the comp- it's a startup environment, so you, the compensation wouldn't be as high. Um, so I think a good ma- a mentor of mine has told me, like, you have to really weigh, um, does the new compensation affect your, like, the comfort of your lifestyle now? And is that important to you? Are you going to have to make cuts? Are you going to have to change your spending habits and the way you live? And if that's going to be a problem, which to me is a problem, <laughs> then it's kind of a red flag. Um, and and another mentor, when I was also making these decisions of like multiple offers, um, I had a really good mentor also say like, hey, you got to kind of weigh, what do you think, like re- reflect on your previous job? Like, what do you think you were missing from that previous job? You know, is, th- is it growth? Are you missing... Um, like the process-driven part of it, the methodologies, are you really, are you strong? Are you Are you confident in that area of product design? Do you, and, and the answer is no. I think that was what I needed to improve on. So will these new companies satisfy that? Because they made me realize um, that that growth, where I was lacking as a designer, is probably the most important thing I should be looking for in that company. And, Atlassian was pretty known for system thinking and being very process driven. So that, that was a no brainer. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you found such a, a good fit for you. Um, you. So
0: yeah, could, I'd like to talk about just what a day in the life is like for you. And I, I know it's like a new company and you, and things have changed, but um, just like kind of what a day in the
1: life is like for you at, at Atlassian, what do you do? <laughs> so Alassian is an Australian company. So m- most of my coworkers and team are in Australia. So we we do, we are still figuring out the time zones. My meetings every day are three to five or 6 p.m. because that's when Australia wakes up. So from like 9 a.m. to three, it's just heads down work, which is really nice. Um, and, and I And because of the time zones, I don't really have like, a lot, like like meetings back and forth from nine to five. Um, maybe that'll change, but right now, it's just like focus has downtime during the day. The meeting with Australia during the afternoon to evening. Um, their their Fridays are our Thursdays. and their Mondays are our Sundays. So that was also something to get used to like if I need to meet with someone, I have to make sure like I, it like fits in the middle of the week window or else it's like their weekend or my weekend. So that's a little weird. Um, but yeah, so that's the day in the life or did you wanna get granular into what we talk about? I don't
0: know, that's a good high level. And that sounds amazing having no meetings until like the afternoon and just ha- being able to focus. But yeah, maybe you could talk like what you, whatever you can talk about, like, yeah, what are you, what are you working on? Like, what's your, what's your process like?
1: So our process. I think this is my first time experiencing what agile really is. So we're doing. What basically? Um, I think our team is still learning too. I think this process is also new to PMs and Dev. But we're really like working together from like end to end, like discovery to define, like discovery phase to wonder phase exploration, and. Whatever's down the line, I'm not quite there yet, but we're all we're still stuck in that discovery define phase. and um, I'm still kind of working I'm still trying to work it out too. Um, I thought I involved everybody, but apparently I didn't because one of our developers recently uh, spoke out and said, "Hey, like how might we get involved with design more? How might we communicate better with you guys?" could we do whiteboard brainstorming sessions together so that we could help with iteration? Because I'm really afraid, I don't want us to do like the waterfall waterfall effect. Cause that's, I guess that's, I guess he was feeling that it was turning into that where design kind of goes dark for a couple of days and just works on design and then give them something at the end of the week. So we're trying to prevent that from happening. Um, but yeah, it was like interesting for an d- engineer to say, hey, like let me work with you guys more or collaborate with you guys better. So that was that was cool. Cause usually from our previous works work, work experience, it's usually like us designers reaching out to engineers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I answer your question? I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, like, no, yeah, 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 okay, you did.
0: <laughs> um yeah for for people who may not be familiar with agile or waterfall how would you explain that in your own words it's fine just like from your experience
1: sure yeah waterfall is very like um step by step you know like when we meet for a team meet with the team in a workshop phase I guess that's when you get the requirements after you get your requirements I guess there's some research involved um, and then design goes and creates some iterations. Then that fourth step you involve developers and that's kind of a problem because um, designers will go off and design and then you do all this work until developers look at your work and say hey this isn't even viable. So you spend all that time working on these feature functions and they can't even build it. So to avoid that from happening, um, I guess the industry is trying to be more agile by involving all the key stakeholders from the beginning to end. And I'm still trying to figure that out too. And Where right now I'm like, I'm not gonna be very good at explaining the entire process because right now we're still just stuck in, Discovery and defining and just kind of doing a lot of back and forths and brainstorming with each other.
0: Yeah, but it's a, it's more collaborative rather than like people working off on their own. It's like more the idea is like at different stages to come together and, and collaborate.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, and that's that's good. And I think that's it's it's what people want to be able to do is like actually. <laughs> um you know communicate with each other so that you're not yes wasting time building trying to make something that's not possible <laughs> to exactly do. Mm-hmm. yeah and in like a general sense um kind of shifting gears to to more like the general life area um has like the pandemic effect like affected what you do for fun and in
1: your life <laughs> hmm. Honestly, I'm pretty grateful in the sense that it didn't affect me, like, really harshly. Um, You know, like, I didn't lose my job over it, you know, Um, or I I didn't lose a loved one. Like, I know a lot of people have suffered in many different ways, and I'm very grateful and blessed that those things didn't happen to me, knock on wood. Um, But what did affect me a little bit was, you know, just not being able to see people, you know, human interaction. Um, But I've come to kind of enjoy isolation a little bit, just kind of finding time to do things that I haven't done in years, you know, like kind of getting back to illustrating, getting back to reading, um, helping my parents take care of their cats. Uh, Now, I'm really into plants. So I'm like, that's a really good de-stressor too. I'm like taking care of plants, buying plants and grooming them but um yeah um it hasn't affected me that badly
0: yeah I was just also kind of thinking about just yeah like what you were saying about your routine where you're you're spending more time doing doing things uh, like hobbies that you haven't done Mm. in a while. Mm Yeah. So, uh, it's cool that you're doing plants more. I'm trying to get more interested in that. I th- our, our, both our friend gave, gave us both plants. you know, And so now I'm like, Oh, I just want to expand
1: my collection a bit more. And it's fun. Yeah. I think it started with that. Like ever since I moved to an apartment and then people keep giving me plants as like a housewarming gift. And then it kind of forced me to take care of it, and then taking care of it led to me actually enjoying that kind of as a hobby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I got into it because I was it just—it was just like handed to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Talking about um, moving into an apartment, um, so it's kind of two things. Like you and your boyfriend Brian, you both recently moved in together officially, just the two of you, and you moved to a different city, San Francisco. So,
1: how's that change been? it's been so much more productive and fun living on our own. We're always doing stuff. We cook a lot more, we clean a lot more, we hike a lot more, we get coffee a lot more, we met a lot of new people reunited with old friends. We've been discovering delicious and underrated hole-in-the-wall places, restaurants. We've also gotten used to living more minimally, for example, downsizing on things that we own like clothes and shoes and I I don't know, I guess you could say it's like living a more simple life a little bit. Decreasing my carbon footprint.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's always good. Like, did you, is it because you had to move into a smaller space that you were were downsizing? Yes, and I also don't
1: drive anymore.
0: Mm. And so, yeah, yeah, I remember you mentioning that you're taking public transportation more.
1: Yes, that's right. And God, that's something to get used to. Also with Muni, it's so freaking slow here. Um, I've like missed my stop like three times just from like talking with someone on the bus and getting distracted. And God, I waste so much time on public transit (laughs) still try to get used to it
0: it's an adventure for sure like uh yeah because they they're not always announcing the next stop or because it doesn't just like come up on a screen or something and or or you just have to pay attention
1: (laughs) right and sometimes I have my headphones on which is really stupid so then I also missed my stop because again I'm distracted (laughs) in a different way
0: (laughs) yeah I remember learning of that you have to push the stop button so they don't just automatically stop where you want them to
1: (laughs) yeah I actually learned that from one of like a senior that sat next to me because she's like hey isn't this your stop you have to press the button oh thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah
0: it's good that um you're actually like able to talk to people and stuff because some, sometimes I feel like it can be hard like people are so heads down or like on their devices or so it's it's nice that you're able to to catch up with people and, and talk to them
1: yeah especially with things opening up but then now it kind of seems like that's reverting a little bit but we'll, we'll see yeah
0: yeah um
1: so what made you want to move to san francisco oh so because my partner brian got this job and they were saying we're going to open the office in september so he wanted to prepare for that and move in in the summer expecting to go into the office uh but then we moved in and they said they they postponed the date, right but then um This is open information. I could talk about it. Okay. So he works for Afterpay, but three weeks ago, Afterpay got acquired by Square. So moving forward, after that acquisition is active, they're going to be working for Square and Square is work from home forever, just like Atlassian. (laughs) So do we need to move to San Francisco? No. (laughs) I just kind of thought you
0: moved there for fun. But so, do you think you're gonna stay there?
1: Yes, for at least next two years.
0: Two years is a specific time frame. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're right. We'll see. Like, I'm curious about other cities too. You know, I've been in California my entire life, so maybe we'll be in Seattle or New York in a couple of years. Who knows? Maybe we're we're back in our parents' house. Oh God. I hope not.
0: <laughs> yeah, talking about your parents and, and being from California, you so you you grew up in the San Jose area, and then you went to college in LA. So you've pretty much been in California your your whole life. You moved back to the the same area, um, and is that because you 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 love California so much, or like yeah, what what's kind of kept you in the area? I'm just curious. <laughs>
1: oh man, jobs and family i would have to say when graduating college i had some choices move up to the bay because of other job opportunities or stay in la also because of job opportunities um and i guess the easy solution was to move up to the bay because family was there friends was there my partner was already working there um so yeah that i chose to go back and i guess it wasn't bad because you know I saved up a lot while working, you know, at IBM San Jose and then just like, you know, living in San Jose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's really great to be close to family. Uh, I definitely like, it's, it's a challenge when you're far away from them. Like, i um, uh, so it's, it's really good to be, a, I, I definitely see the value of being near family and, in oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying like you, just like speaking about your family, you have a really interesting cultural background. You have some Brazilian in there and Taiwanese. And, and I am just like curious about, I guess I'm just generally curious now that like, so I've married an immigrant and, and like, so he's Serbian from another country. And and, and, and now like kind of like mixing of cultures is really interesting to me. Like especially, it's always been interesting, but like more especially interesting to me. So I'm curious to know like some of the things your, your family does to preserve like your
1: heritage. <laughs> food my mom is subscribed to four or five different food delivery services most of them are asian food delivery apps and they connect consumers to kitchens or mom paws restaurants that are much farther away than you know doordash limits it to five miles but uh so she's always on the hunt for the most authentic Taiwanese food that we can find in the bay area so she's constantly ordering food and trying food from like new Taiwanese establishments now to find Brazilian food is a lot harder in the Bay Area. So she's been always like hunting uh, for Brazilian individuals on Instagram uh, because there's a lot of um, you know businesses on Instagram now. And so she was able to find some Brazilian chefs that specializes in specific traditional dishes or street foods and she would pre-order from them and make a relationship with them. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's how we're preserving the two cultures. That's fun. Oh, and like food is like the great unifier
0: of people. There you go, no better yeah. way to do it. Yeah, and and can you remind me again what that like Brazilian connection is? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay, so disclaimer: I don't actually have Brazilian in my blood, but the story is my parents were both born in Taiwan, but they were raised in Brazil, so they were both immigrants of Taiwan, and yeah, they. They moved to Brazil at a very, very young age and ended up meeting there.
0: That's so cool. Like, yeah, both being from Taiwan, but then meeting in Brazil and now they're in California. how like, How they, how'd they uh, decide to come to California?
1: My dad got a scholarship to UT Austin. Uh, and yeah, so if, if the dream was always to go to the States, but back then it was not easy. So Brazil was like, the second best option apparently because they couldn't get into the United States so yeah he went so my dad went first because he went there for college um yeah and then he was planning on moving back to Brazil to take over the family business but when he went back to visit um some shady stuff happened at the airport you know he was trying to check in his computer but then the Brazilian uh, staffs at the airline was like, oh, you can't take this in. Sorry. Uh, and so he was like, wait, what? Like my whole life is on this computer. And so then he ended up having to bribe them, like basically buy his computer back to get their security. Yeah. So So then that was one red flag. I was like, oh my God, I forgot how shady Brazil was. Then he gets back home and there was a trash strike where the 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 dumpster like for waste management the people who work in waste management they weren't getting paid uh as much as they wanted to so they had a strike so on the street it was filled with trash because no one's trash was getting picked up for weeks so it was just smelling like poop everywhere oh, wow. so well, as soon as he got home it was so it was trashy and he was like wow i don't want my kids living up, living here and growing up here So that was the moment where he was like, nope, I'm going back to the States and I'm going to marry Sarah, my soon-to-be wife, and have my kids grow up in the States.
0: Wow. That is, yeah, quite the story. So I'm guessing he he found a
1: job in in San Jose or something? Funny enough, he really wanted to get into IBM because it was (laughs) booming at the time. (laughs) But he, but IBM, I guess, didn't take of immigrants or something like that so yeah he was working for some startups for a while eventually uh became an entrepreneur himself yes so I hope you don't have a lot of Brazilian viewers because I don't mean (laughs) to trash the country it's beautiful I love traveling there as a kid but that was just part of my dad's experience
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I know and I mean there's there's good and bad to everywhere for (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah and, and I'm just curious about um with with Brian, your partner, does, and and I know you spent a a lot of time with his family. Do they have different traditions than your family?
1: Oh, yeah. They don't eat out. They just cook at home. His family was definitely more frugal than my family, too. I, for example, I grew up with a lot more than he did. Typically, every birthday, Christmas, you get presents. Every Chinese New Year, you get money. He didn't have any of that growing up, and it's not because they're poor. It was just their decision (laughs) so he'd always make fun of me for growing up spoiled when I just kind of thought it was the norm Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it is interesting when you're like when you interact with other people's families and you're like oh you do something
1: like way different yeah yeah I think getting to like relationship stuff I think one of the obstacles of like growing together uh, was kind of Accepting different family education instead of judging,
0: yeah, so. yeah and and then you have to decide like what what values you want to carry on with your own family, or I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. not assuming yeah you know, just like it, with your own relationship and family and, and unit in that sense,
1: yeah, 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 for sure,
0: yeah, I don't know if you've you've talked about that or thought about it, but yeah, I'm just curious like if, if there's like certain family traditions you want to carry on
1: <laughs> so. Speaking from my family, I never saw us as the most traditional, um, but they do want me to get married and have kids as soon as possible. I'm at the age where my mom already had two kids. So that's something yeah. that she keeps reminding me about. Um, but I'm sorry, that's not happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So as far as carry on family traditions, no offense, that's just not on my priority right now.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally get it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's like interesting what people like define as, as family traditions. Like I was thinking about like, okay. Um, with like my mm-hmm. husband, they have different holidays. Like they have, mm-hmm. like they have, they, they follow like a different um, religious calendar in their country. Cause they're they're Orthodox Christians. And so in the Orthodox calendar, the Easter and Christmas are like a couple of weeks later. And then, and then there's also, every family has like a family saint. So then you have, uh, you, you celebrate that, that family saint. It's like, uh, it's called Slava and it's a holiday that you have. So I'm kind of like, Ooh, we, we get to have two Christmas, two Easter's <laughs> and like, we have this family holiday now that we can do. So it's just, it, I just think it's, I mean, and, and those are kind of like just simple examples of, of, of things, but it's just like, Oh, more just, just different things that you can incorporate or traditions.
1: I love that. Okay, family holidays. Yes, I, thank you for that example. Yeah, like for, I guess for uh, Chinese people, we traditionally, we have Chinese New Year, we have like Moon Festival or Autumn's Festival or, or like a separate Father's Day and a separate Mother's Day from the American holidays. So if we continue the Chinese traditions like the American traditions, yes, we get two Chinese New Year's Two Mother's Day, to Father's Day, and yeah, some unique holidays that, you know, is filled with just food, money, presents, so yeah, I guess that's, like you said, a really great benefit for for it being multicultural.
0: Yeah, um, I know with uh, when I lived in Spain, uh, the Valentine's Day tradition or it, may, it might not have been Valentine's Day, but it was like some other like kind of love holiday that they had where it was this tradition where like women would give men chocolates and then oh. men would give women books, which I thought was super cool because I love books. I'm like, yes, give me all the books. But I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, um, are there different like, I guess, like for Chinese New Year's what are the differences in the celebrations that you do in like Chinese New Year versus like a, I guess, American New Year? I don't know how mm-hmm. to say that.
1: That's a good question. For American New Year's, I I, I hear a lot of family go, go all out and they like watch, you know, the Times Square and everything. But for our family, we just get together and we have dinner. And but then we go pretty big on Chinese New Year where it's dinner, and you're dressed in red, and you decorate the house in red, and a bunch of Chinese characters flying everywhere, and then you pass out a bunch of red envelopes filled with cash. So I guess we don't, I guess we take the American one lightly, but then I, but then we do have, I guess, traditions with friends where we do like a barbecue, or we drink to midnight. Um, So yeah, I think American New Year's is, more appreciated among like friend groups that we grew up together that you know because we're like American but but yeah with the family it's a little different
0: yeah I love to know a, a bit more about some of the other holidays you mentioned too like the did you say autumn festival or like like what are what are some of those
1: man I am really bad I'm like showing you how non-traditional or I'm like lacking in my own heritage sometimes, but I don't remember if Moon Festival or Autumn Festival are the same thing. Uh, but like for Moon Festival, I guess we were celebrating like the new moon or something, and that's supposed to mean something. <laughs> but uh, we pass out mooncakes.
0: I remember eat moon that, cakes. and I think we had that in, S- in the San Jose office one time. They they yeah. celebrated that, and we had mooncakes.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and we had yeah we had tea and mooncakes and I remember I don't know if you remember but I I there's like all these different types of mooncakes especially depending on what region of China you're from or, or Taiwan or even Vietnam, um, but I gave you a, a specific mooncake and there was like a stamp on it and it was actually savory and sweet. Do you remember that? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That was kind of me trying to give you a taste of my culture, even though I probably need to uh, <laughs> learn more about it myself. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I know um, so what are some of the things you do uh, I remember in our, so our in our our uh, newsletter for the IBM office when when you were interviewed, you talked about what you do to stay inspired and so I'd love to to like hear about. You hear about that again, like around the show.
1: <laughs> sure. yeah. Um, lately, it's all been just watching stuff on Netflix, Hulu, and HBO. Um, and also, like listening to podcasts sometimes, yeah, like I think in the newsletter, I mentioned um lots of my inspiration would come from like sci-fi and like competition shows. Like Project Runway, Face Off, of uh, interior design masters, and you get to see how creative people can get in such a short amount of time, you know. And and I'm constantly inspired by these artists, and, and and I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, if I'm in that position and I have two days to create this ball gown, I don't even know what to do. So it was it's really cool to see people's process filmed, and then the outcome and obviously all the sweat, blood and tears that go into it, because that also reminds me of what I had to go through in art school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And, and yeah, so what's, what's your favorite
0: thing you've watched
1: recently? Ooh, Warrior on HBO. The script was partially written by Bruce Lee. It's a crime drama that takes place in San Francisco Chinatown during the California Gold Rush. So Americans ship a bunch of Chinese immigrants overseas to, of course, build Their railroad for very, very low wage. They get promised the American dream, but you get to see the characters dealing with violence, brutality, the racism, sex trafficking. But it's mainly about the conflicts among Chinese gangs that formed in Chinatown within that time. And you also see how um, uh, the conflicts within the Irish community and then like the Irish versus the Chinese, because the Irish are complaining that the Chinese people are taking their jobs and stuff. You know, it really overlaps with the history of what actually happened in ninth, uh, late, late 19th century. Yeah, that sounds really
0: interesting. I read this book uh, kind of set around in the same time period. That's like a fantasy book where this, this young woman can see and I don't know, can see into this other dimension and it had a lot of like Chinese lore and mythology. Like she could see a lot of like like some of the, I guess, traditional deities and and monsters and spirits and, and that kind of thing. And I thought it was cool. But it, I, what I liked about it too was like kind of the realistic dynamics between the, like the, it was also set in the Chinatown and the gold rush and, and seeing kind of like that insular community they had but then when they had to in, when they had to like interact with other with other groups and they had like kind of like sort of a gang sort of concept too mm-hmm. and that was that was really
1: interesting so yeah that sounds like a,
0: a great recommendation I might I definitely check that out
1: yeah yeah I did I think you'll definitely like it because I know you really appreciate like American history too or European history and that just yeah it's really it was a kind of a good way to learn about kind of sort of my heritage. Like these people came from a specific part of China, which I'm pretty sure I don't have family there, but it was, it I'm still, I still would associate myself with, you know, the mainland Chinese too, not to get with, into the politics, but it, it it was like emotional for me, you know, to see uh, see them go through that that terrible time, um, during that time of history. So like, I still felt, um, connected to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's good to, good to, I guess, see that and, and, and really understand all, some more of that context. Like, cause you'll walk around Chinatown and you're like, oh yeah, there's like a lot of Chinese people who live there, but there's really like a whole like reason why it was Chinatown in the first place. And it's, it's, yeah. Exactly. There was <laughs>
1: lots of sweat, lots of blood yeah. to get there. Oh. But yeah, definitely I recommend it. It's so good. And I'm waiting for season three. Oh, season three, mm-hmm. okay. Well, it's been really great catching up with you, Natasha. Thanks for coming on my show. And um, yeah, it was really, really fun. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I haven't bored any of you. (laughs) But uh, yeah, again, I really enjoyed talking to you in general. (laughs) Thanks
0: (laughs) for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single show. Interested in being on the show? Know someone that might be a good fit? Use the nomination form in the description.